know Your ass better call somebody Research and development Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need Last week we put liquid paper on a bee And it died Become best friends. Yep. Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry. I love you. Yeah, you big guy. <laughs> Welcome back in everybody to another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast coming at you right. Now, as always, thank you so very much for tapping in. Of all the content out there in the space, you chose us. That's amazing. Thank you so much. But just remember, sign up for the newsletter. There's so much good content coming out from the Destination Debbie team, as well as check out all the things Destination Debbie has to offer. But without further ado, the better half, probably the reason you come to 4D Chess, right? He's at least three Ds of the 4D. My man, Adam. How you doing tonight, buddy? Always so gracious. Mike, Mike, what's going on, man? Dynasty Degenerates, we are back. Thanks for tuning in again. This week, we are actually going to continue a little extended version of last week. Um, some people have requested that we dive a little further into the rebuild process. And damn it, if you want content, we'll give it to you. That's what we do over here at 4D. Hey, you ask, we deliver. Yes, it is uh, requested by some loyal listeners, uh, some fellow patrons of ours as well. And I've actually had people just randomly, you know, not even part of our Patreon, reach out and go, man, it felt like you were speaking directly to me last episode. <laughs> that wasn't the intention, but if you got some good information, some good strategy, and some good thoughts out of it, we're glad to help. And what can we do? We can dive a little bit further deeper into it, Adam. So you've decided to tear it down. You listened to last week. You took some of the pointers. But what are some of the next steps? Like The question has come up, what do we do with the rebuild? Well, the first thing that I wanted to bring up, Adam, is when you're in a rebuild, you're just so damn flexible. You are. You can just take value as it comes along. So we've already seen a handful of injuries so far. And we, we kind of touched on the Trey Lance thing and gave you some of that. But... They're going to pop up all the time. Adam, you've been in multiple leagues where you've rebuilded in the past. And like guys like Dak Prescott, right, goes down with an ankle injury. The deals that you could get done for a guy like that, those are the things that you need to be monitoring in a rebuild. Like you start getting some of these assets. And when you know somebody's going to take a value hit because of an injury or maybe a suspension or whatever the case may be, just kind of plan ahead a little bit, right? Think about where this player is going to be next year, where in July and August and September, where their value is kind of going to go shake out. So that is the first thing I like to think about when I'm in a rebuild. You know, it's kind of hands off, right? <laughs> you don't really worry too much. Just set a lineup, try not to be an asshole. <laughs> don't intentionally tank, follow your league rules and your guidelines and set a competitive lineup. But Generally, I'm not worried too much about it, right? I'm not scouring the waivers every Tuesday night. I don't have to worry about that. There, I might casually look and see if there's a guy out there that got dropped or got missed. Or one of my personal favorites is if I know I'm like heavy at a position and I kind of want to force trades and there's a hot waiver 
a wire name out there. Like, uh, think about this week. Brian Hoyer, probably starting for Mac Jones. Right. If yep. I have a lot of quarterbacks, like older ones that I'm trying to get off of, I don't want somebody to get Brian Hoyer on the cheap. <laughs> I'm going to make you spend up your fab. I don't really need it because <laughs> I'm not trying to fill spots, right? So those are the, those are the two things where I just kind of think about the value and and having my uh, my antennas up, right? Oh, I know so-and-so got injured. Man, this team's probably looking to dump them because they need to compete this year. That's the way their team's constructed. I can take on zeros. And if I, I'm going to see if I can get this guy at a discount. So do you kind of agree with that? Do you kind of follow the same principle, especially the uh, the injury one? I know you partake in quite a bit, but even that that fab <laughs> being a being a dick out there <laughs> on the yeah. waiver wire. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, th- there's a lot of things on the rebuild side, and I want to make sure we dive into a lot of the, the deeper discussion here. And, and that's definitely one thing is the, the injuries are so key, right? Um, you're going to get injury discounts and opportunities to buy players that take a dip because of injuries. Um, Mike, I mean, you know, you, you got, there was some opportunities to get CD lamb at a pretty good discount and he didn't even get hurt. Like an injury caused injury to Dak Prescott caused some value dip on CD lamb. And, and I'd say the, the opposite side of that in dynasty degenerates, this is one I think to really think about. So we, we've played three weeks of football, right? We're going into week four here. I mean, it feels like a lot today because we are watching it and we are watching every single week the little polar changes that happen. And you got to remember it's a week-to-week league. I mean, look at the Bills last week, right? Like imagine if that was week one for them, how you'd be thinking about some of the players, right? And if they had two weeks of that in a row. Understand that it's a small sample size for the entirety of the season. So when some players take big value spikes – especially guys you've been waiting to get off of. I think one like is a huge must sell on a rebuild, Mike, and that's like a Curtis Samuel type. Not saying that Curtis Samuel still doesn't have talent. Not saying that, you know, Curtis Samuel wouldn't be able to be good for you possibly next year if you are on a one-year rebuild. But there's just so much risk still with him, right? If you can get out for a second-round pick, I mean, think about this, Mike. Before the season started, to get out of Curtis Samuel at a second-round pick, you're thinking – you're laughing. Who, who's even going to consider that, right? Guys that are having value bumps right now because teams are going to think on the contending side, this guy, I can see I, there's blood in the water. He's trading away. He's trying to get off of players he wants to rebuild. They're going to come to you for the players that are looking good right now. I mean, you know, Cordell Patterson, right? We're seeing a nice week out of him again. Like if somehow you haven't, if you weren't able to move him for real value, Now's the time to try to push and get, you know, liquidity back or at least a useful piece back for Cordell Patterson on a rebuild who's just aging for you. There are so many, so many keys to doing that as well. Just as well, I don't want to pay up. <laughs> I don't want to pay up for the the Garrett Wilsons right now. Right. Garrett Wilson is performing very well, but I'm gonna rebuild. Oh, he fits my rebuild. And I'm not paying a premium price. Like I'm not gonna go dump two first round assets. You know whether that's a a pick and a player or whatever it may be, to go try to get the hot asset right. You're buying at the peak. You don't have a lot of wiggle room for more improvement. You know what I mean? Like, you you really have to treat this like a stock market. And shout out to the OG, Mike Lou, right, Mister Mike Me Up, man. This is where I got a lot of this from. Was just listening to him and 
you know, Ray, Ray and Jay are doing stuff with Mojo, right? An actual player stock market. But also think about it with your dynasty teams. Think of it as a market that's always fluid. I don't want to sell. Like, uh, Elijah Moore is a great one, all right? So example, I don't want to sell Elijah Moore low because I still believe in the talent. But like, I have people in my in my messages, you know, sending me offers. I'll give you a second for Elijah Moore. Like, fuck no. <laughs> like, I have no reason on a rebuild to get off of like I generally don't sell players at a low anyways, even on my contending teams, Adam, unless I absolutely have to, like I really need to fill some other position. Maybe I'm going to have to take a hit and just acknowledge that the value is down, but on a rebuild, I have no, I have no excuse, no leverage. Um, there's nothing forcing me to do it. Like if I don't win, I don't win. If I don't score points this week, actually great. I hope I don't score points this week. I hope I don't get some W. So when you're out there with your, your rebuilding teams and you're thinking about these players, like a stock market, don't buy high and don't sell low. Like there's really no reason to, but to your point, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened earlier in the season with some of these assets that you want to get off of, these are the ones that you need to be extremely active in shopping, right? The the guys that have nowhere to go but down, the Cordero Pattersons, right? Uh, a good one for me, Saquon Barkley. I still had him on a couple rebuild teams, and he's performing. He's RB1, right? He's performing. This is what I was hoping for and why I didn't take just a first and a second for him two, three months ago, and that's all that's being offered to me. Now the price is, give me my two first, and I'll happily cash out. And, and there might be some people who be, well, you can get more. Maybe, maybe. And, and I'm not going to not try, but I have a value in mind. He's performed, and now that's where I want to get off of. So for me, that's another big one in a rebuild, like continuing it throughout the year is I'm not buying high, and I'm not selling low. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell high on the guys that I want to get off of that don't fit my rebuild. And I'm going to try to buy low on anything, whether it's injury, suspension, poor play. Like if Elijah Moore's your dude, maybe you're the guy who's going out and seeing if somebody's out there panicking, going like, yeah, I'll take your 23 second or I'll take your 23 second equivalent player in return for Elijah Moore, something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Mike, um, what you're really hitting on too is a couple things. And, and uh, shout out. You know, another little plug here for the newsletter. If you're not tapped into the newsletter and you're listening to this podcast, I really urge you to go do it. It's free material. It's perfect, you know, porcelain throne material. Whenever you're, you can get through it in about 30 minutes, maybe a little longer. And I'm telling you, it's it's all stuff that after you consume it, it's very applicable to you and your league. So I would strongly consider checking it out. And the reason I say that is because I, I talked about this in the newsletter, Mike, what you talk, what you talked about here, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, some of the guys you, you want to be careful not to listen. I, I'm not telling you that Garrett Wilson still doesn't have room to grow, but he's off to the start right now and where he's probably going to be valued that you're, you're making a calculated risk. If you buy right now at a premium premium price, you know, over that first that he cost you just in the rookie draft. Like you said, if you start getting to two first, I mean, you, even if he's really good, he's going to have to be at least that to pay out at the price you're paying. And I think, so, so to your point, like buying low, you want to try to do that. You don't want to sell low. Um, you don't want to buy high. And, you, and if, if possible, you want to sell high. The problem is you don't have, like with Mojo, right? 
go long or sell, you know, sell short. Like we don't have a crystal ball. So is there room for Garrett Wilson to continue to grow if he's like wide receiver one in this class? Maybe. I mean, but if you're paying a price that says that, like that's a very risky bet. And I think what I would what I would what I would urge you guys to think about Dynasty Degenerates is this. Especially when you're doing this, only in pretty rare circumstances where you're clearly getting like a dynasty value win, am I going to consolidate? And the reason I want to make sure this is key is when you're rebuilding, you do not want to consolidate. Overall, you're going to continue to play the value game and you're trying to basically multiply your assets, even if it's in lineup, Mike. This is this is something I think we need to talk about that you want to have as many shots at the dartboard, whether it's young players, draft picks, how you utilize them in the future. We're going to get to that in this episode. We're going to kind of talk about what the moving forward piece is, but as a as a big whole general takeaway, primarily, you want to try and multiply assets. You do not want to consolidate. So if you have a Garrett Wilson, even on a rebuild, if someone's coming to you for two first, I'm sending Garrett Wilson away. And I love Garrett Wilson because in the rebuild, I'm looking for now, okay, Garrett Wilson, love the talent. Maybe he's going to be special, but two first, like there's a there's only a couple receivers that I'm not trading for two first. So even though you think, all right, he's a, he's a youthful receiver and he fits my build. He has a price, even on my rebuild, like everybody has a value point to where I'm going to play the value game. And that ultimately is the best part about the rebuild is if you do this and you take away the names, like we've talked about in episodes prior, the, the elite performing Garrett Wilson early, and you take the value, you take away the names and you play that, You'll be surprised how expedited your rebuild can be. I think that's a big one right there, Adam, too, is uh, not only the consolidation, but the willingness to not be attached to anybody, right? You, you hear so often, oh, I'm going to build my 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 dynasty around this player, or I'm going to build my dynasty around these handful of players. And it, at least for us specifically, I never look at that. I, just like you mentioned, man, you're probably a huge Garrett Wilson fan being, you know, from the Ohio State University, you know, and getting to watch him all those years, even though he tore your Browns a new asshole a couple weeks ago. But he sure it, did. It, 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 it doesn't matter to me, right? It's just a stock. It's just a name. Like, I can like as many players as I want. You're, you're high on Kyle Pitts, Adam, but if somebody came to you and gave you on a rebuild – two firsts and, and maybe two seconds for your Kyle Pitts. Like, I'm going to guess more times than not, <laughs> you're going to take a calculated look at where those picks are and you're going to go, fuck it. I love you, Kyle. You got to go. <laughs> you got to go. Because you think about the possibility of what could happen in the future, right? There, There's always the injury risk with Kyle Pitts. There's always that an actual player on the field producing. There's an injury risk. There's a suspension risk. There's a poor play risk. With draft picks, you don't carry that risk. You don't because they're just – they're a line of credit, right? You know you get this much, and that line of credit actually can increase or can decrease, but most of the time it increases the closer you get to draft time. So when I think about people when they go like, here's my do not trade list. These are the guys that I'd never move. I kind of cringe a little bit. I'm not going to lie when I look at it. I go, there is absolutely fucking nobody in Dynasty that I would not trade. It just depends on the price. When I'm in a rebuild, that price actually comes down a little bit more than when I'm on a contender, right? So if I, the scenario I just gave you, you love Kyle Pitts, 
you're on a contender. He's probably a backbone of your contending. We haven't seen it but one week out of three so far, right? But we we knew it was probably coming around. But if you have Kyle Pitts on your team and somebody comes to you right now on a contender, two firsts and two seconds for Kyle Pitts, I'm going to guess on this scenario, Adam, more times than not, you tell him to fuck off. Sure. <laughs> Get out of here. Like yeah. I'm not moving him. Like I need him. On a rebuilder, I don't need him. I don't need him. So, like, my price almost comes down from what I would need on a contender. I I don't want to get rid of my contending assets because I'm trying to compete, trying to win the money. You have to blow me away with the offer because then you have to take those draft picks and you have to move them into some other type of production to replace Kyle Pitts on a rebuilder. You don't care. Good. Get the points off my team. I'll re-roll. I might take 90% of what I used to take if I was a contending team, but I'm thinking of multiplying my assets, spreading it out, and de-risking myself for injury, poor play, suspension, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, I would say this too. Obviously, league settings could change things slightly uh, there. Like if it's, you know, a rebuild and I'm stockpiled with assets and it's start nine, you may have to offer me more than for Kyle Pitts there, right? Because I think he's so integral for when I'm ready to go. Then as opposed to if it's a best ball long lineup league, like the price probably differs a little bit. But the point overall still, Mike, is standing that regardless, I should know and I do know for me in my league settings, like Kyle Pitts, I want him on my rebuilds. But if someone's really going to blow me away and they want to give me absolute top dollar and over that, Kyle Pitts will move. I, I, I can. And like this is a good one, too, I guess, to talk about a couple things. I really want to get to liquidity. And kind of a, a point of question at us was, what do you do when the time comes around? Because a lot of times people want to see a lineup. And there, there's two things I want to discuss here. Last night on AMA, we talked with somebody who said, I am rebuilding. My tight ends are Noah Fance, Robert Tanyan. I forget the other one. <clears throat> n- n- nobody special, right? And he's saying, what should I, who should I go buy at tight end and what do I do to fill this spot? And the answer is you don't. The answer is you don't. You don't do it now. Will you eventually? Yes. But right now, when you're rebuilding, I, I want to make sure this is very, very pointed. Dynasty Degeneration, I want you to think about this. Now, you don't have to apply this, but this is very much what I and Mike do when we're rebuilding. I do not care what my lineup looks like, and I am not worrying about today what in two years or next year one single spot is going to look like outside of like a, a rare scenario like in start nine and I don't want to move Kyle Pitts. Okay, fine. But there still should be a price. But the point is don't think about, all right, I have all these pieces and I'm going to draft all these guys in the 23 class and I have these youthful pieces right now. All that's out the window. I don't care what – if my roster, Mike, is starting absolute ducks all week – Every week. I don't care. Like, I have best ball teams that are, when you look, if you didn't see the picks, if I sent you just the roster with no picks, you, w- you would say to yourself, this is the worst roster I've ever seen in Dynasty. I mean, I did it on purpose in our, in our initial Patreon League, right? And I want to get into the liquidity aspect of how, what you're going to do in the future because w- what happens is this, right? If you are into doing a rebuild for the first time or you're just – you're hesitant to go too far away from having players that you're seeing score points. Everybody asks, well, how is this going to, how is this going to happen? Like, what's my timeline? Where, how how do I get these players back? Right? Mike, there's so many ways that this is going to happen. And I guess the way I would discuss it is this. 
people probably tell you that I'm not, I don't have that many contenders. Well, I have some contenders, but I like to rebuild. I have a lot of rebuilders and I have a rebuild, Mike, with, with, when you're in and I have the entire 23 first, right? So I think this is a good example to answer the question of like, what is the plan and how will it happen? Well, first and foremost, you can't know it for sure because league dynamics play a big factor. Like what your league mates value them and when they value the picks at that you can't know. You also, we don't know what's going to happen. Mike, you and I were sure DeAndre Swift was going to be a smash this year. I mean, he, he was great week one. He did good, good and limited touches week two. Now he's probably going to miss time, right? Like we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what players you're going to be able to buy and sell, but Ultimately, like if, with the 23 first, right? So let's talk about this. I have all of them. So with that, I have guaranteed that there's going to be five or six people that think they're going to make the playoffs that don't. And I'm looking at a pick that's great. So there's going to be a window where somebody says, oh, fuck, what have I done? I don't have my 23 first. ATM sitting on it. I want to get it back. Okay, here I am. <laughs> let's Let's talk all the way until the deadline, right? If there is no deadline, I don't think, actually, I don't think there is one in there. Like, we'll talk the whole time. There's a window there when they realize they need to rebuild and you have their pick. Even if you don't have the entire class, the more you have, the more opportunities you have for someone to come buy their pick back. Even if it ends up being late, after the season's over, everybody forgets about players that are plain and older, like Mike Evans types, right? They will become geriatric once the season's over. And it's all going to picks and players and youthful guys. You get a value bump there. It, I, if Mike, if I draft all 12, 23 first, I have done it wrong and I've been played. But the timing of when you're going to move them, that ultimately is dependent on when people decide to value those picks and when you're able to get back more than you believe the pick's worth. So, you know, in that league, right, if you went in with the mindset of, I don't have a tight end. I need a tight end. What should I do now? Right. Back to the original point. Right. You, you're doing yourself a disservice, Adam, because you don't know come April, you know, draft time rolls around. People really want 23 first, right? They get the draft. Everybody gets it, man. This is why we do so many startups and so many damn mock drafts and rookie drafts and the whole thing. This is one of the foundations of why you play Dynasty in the first place. People love drafting, period. Love it. You, you just love drafting and you love assets and you love to speculate and, and you know we get the whole uh we get the whole conjecture season right the hot take season right this, this is this is what we do dynasty for if you go into it now right we're week four and you're going man i really want to compete next year and i have this treasure trove of assets and i don't have a tight end i should go buy one now right you run the risk one of the tight end that you buy turning out to be poop Turns into a pumpkin, you no know, gets injured, yep, gets injured, or uh, you know, just huge disappointment. No offense, Cole Komet, right? Sure, yeah. You run, you run that risk, and then by the time you're ready for him next year, it might not be any better than the situation you were in already. Right? right. This guy's a, this guy's a turd. The other thing is, you brought up the fantastic point is once we get to that April time, we get to rookie fever time, and we get kind of into the summer months. We know dynasty goes in cycles, right? The rookies and the draft picks, they have their time and they shine. And all we're talking about is combine and the NFL draft and rookie mini camp. And, oh, man, we're seeing these rookies in training camp. Then about the time the redrafters come back in August, 
the vets shift goes like, man, I don't want these rookies. I want these vets. I want the Mike Evans. I want the Keenan Allen. I need the, uh, oh, Adam Thielen. I think he's a sneaky value. Right? He's old crusties. Tyler Lockett, gives a shit right? About. Yep. Nobody cares about. Christian Kirk even, in- Mike. Christian Kirk there wasn't even old and was thought of as a very much of an afterthought. You have that entire time where you could trade one of those 23 first, Adam, and I bet you can get two players. And you get two shots at filling two different positions. Like, if you wanted to get two tight ends, shit, there's a scenario next year where Cole Komet is, you know, maybe worth absolutely nothing. And he, he might already be worth he's absolutely trending, nothing. He's trending, at least right in now. the current value and lens, he's trending that way. But this is a guy that we both like this year. Now, I'm not saying that sure. he's going to be anything next year, but you might be able to get him and another tight end that we liked in like Albert O, who's also been playing like, like dog shit. Now, maybe they rebound a little bit or whatever, but there's a scenario come April. You can turn one the 112 into two tight ends, and you don't have to go out and pay for them you know, right now and go through the whole year. You'll have a whole season to see what their usage was, see what their involvement was, see their injury history or lack thereof of injury history. And then make your decision and their value might even come down. I mean, that's just a wild example of like the 112 for these two guys. Fuck right now, everybody thinks you're crazy, but you could probably get those two guys and something else. You know, maybe you get a wide receiver flyer or or in the draft, maybe it's kind of a, a trade back. You know, you trade back to the late part of the second round from the late part of the first round, get those two guys, and you still get, you know, you turn one asset into three. Now you got. You know, you got three chances to fill your tight end position. <laughs> and maybe none of them hit Adam, but at least you have more shots at the dartboard, right? You're you're staying liquid, you're staying fluid, and you're not committing yourself in at the end of September, the beginning of October, trying to plan ahead for how you wanted to compete next October. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the ludicrous part for me. So you never, never I I was I was trying to make a case that maybe you would do it for the quarterback position. But we've seen like people get by and have really good teams and really good records right now with some of the most god-awful quarterbacks that nobody wanted and just were thrown on the trash heap, right? Jared Goff is playing phenomenal. Let's acknowledge it. Jared Goff is playing well. And up until last week, Carson Wentz was playing good. (laughs) I mean, Jared Goff was a – I still – I think depending on the scoring settings, but he's he's hovering at top 10 for the season so far. It's a small sample size, but to your point, like – if you had Jared Goff at Superflex, even it, you probably hated that. And if you couldn't fix it, you don't. You're not thinking about doing it at the moment, at least. Like he's probably helped you win in the Superflex spot. People hated Tua, a young quarterback, right? A young one <laughs> who had who had all the great excuses in the world. Man, he was extremely talented at Alabama, but maybe it was just the receivers. And then he comes to the NFL, and oh, he's just kind of a checkdown Charlie. But uh, you know, he, he only really had Jalen Waddle last year, and this really only the first year coming off of the major hip injury. The, all the things that were built into it and all the things that we could look at and possibly dismiss, people still hated him. People still mocked him and memed, and every time he made a bad throw in practice, it was went viral, and there's a million retweets of it, and people having their shots at it. And then what's he do, not last week, but the week before, comes out, throws for damn near 500 yards and six touchdowns, and kind of shuts everybody up. This is coming off of playing really well week one. And I think he was 
from what he played last week was playing really well last week too, until he, you know, got the concussion that wasn't a concussion. <laughs> apparently, apparently it's just a back injury, I guess, but never seen a back injury do that to a person, but that's a story for a different day. But that's just one example of, you don't need to look at tight end, right? Tight end's kind of a hard spot to fill, the, especially the elite ones, but you don't have to worry about it, right? The, uh, I think when we were talking on the AMA last night, right, I pulled up the list of who the top 12 tight ends were. Most of them were god-awful. <laughs> god-awful dudes. top that three or top five for sure is Tyler Conklin right now. I mean, now yeah. granted, it's a small sample size. I don't know what yes. the, if he keeps it up. But um, there's all – this is another thing too, especially at tight end. I, I, I don't want to cut you off if you wanted to finish. Your no, you're good, more. buddy. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say like – the question was also asked with this, how important is having an elite tight end as a contender? And I would say if you have Mark Andrews, it's a cheat code. Like that is a absolute smash. Yes. And, it, and it's a very big difference for you, tight end versus the other opponent you're going to play. You typically have an advantage at that spot. So that's a big thing. However, it's not crucial like you don't have to have Mark Andrews. And and there's if you see this is the other thing too. I think it's important to acknowledge this. Yeah, we all want to have star-studded like everybody wants to have an advantage at every single position. If you have one of those, you have what's called a goon squad and those aren't those are few and far between when you're in sharper leagues. If we're talking a home league, you might be able to do something like that. But it's un, it's unlikely in sharp leagues or even that they're not even that sharp, but people that are really tapped in and playing multiple leagues that you're going to just be head and shoulders at every fucking position better. So it, if you don't have an elite tight end, you can get by. And if you don't have to buy Mark Andrews or some of the top five guys to be a contender, it's nice to have him. But guess what? You can get you can get by and you can buy cheap. Like right now, Mike, while, while Dak's hurt and Dalton Schultz is hurt, Dalton Schultz is now in the more attainable price range, right? Dawson Knox hasn't been anything outrageous so far. You could go get a Dawson Knox. Hell, if you really want to get crusty, you can go get a Zach Ertz. You can go get, God, I don't, what, how cheap can you get Tyler Conklin from a rebuilder right now, right? Like, I'm not saying it's the sexiest thing you've ever done, but you're looking to basically patch that spot up or make it, you know, relatively competent. You don't have to have an advantage at every single position, even on a contender. Like, there's going to be some where you're not the best of the best, but you're still solid. So you don't have to go buy Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts or, you know, Travis Kelsey. They're, they're, they're great. They're, there's going to be contenders that win with those guys. I don't have any doubt of that. But I guarantee you there's teams that win that don't have that elite tight end. Promise you. And, and even the greatest assets, even the greatest assets, they always seem to have buy windows that pop up all over the place. Right? Kyle Pitts had one through the first two weeks. Guaranteed. Maybe the first week people wrote it off and was like, ah, it's week one. Who gives right. a shit? When it happened again in the second week, you saw the panic, right? You had people making prayer circles for Kyle Pitts to have a good week three. I mean, <laughs> there's people holding hands. We're having a vigil. I mean, Mike, <laughs> we're doing it's like, holy hell. I, I'll tell you this. When I watched Arthur Smith's post game after week two, for me, I was more excited. I'm like, oh, week three, baby. Here we go. I put big money on both catches and yards for the over on props. I'm like, but the defensiveness. But, but I guarantee you, after two weeks of – you are really excited about Kyle Pitts and he's giving you 14 yards and like almost no catches. And then you see go to the podium, Arthur Smith and saying, I don't care about your fantasy team. We're trying to win ball games. You think that didn't make some managers go, Oh shit. Kyle Pitts is, 
maybe not even going to be that dude at all. Like it, it, it might have even further caused their panic. So when you look at that and you kind of know everybody kind of has value swings and bumps and, you know, there's highs, there's lows. You can kind of just time that. If, you, if that's the elite tight end you wanted to go with, you may not go into next year, Adam, on your contending team. Like if 2023, that's the year that you wanted to compete in the, uh, the original patron league, the shit patron, where you have all the picks. If that was your time, you're going to play it out through the rest of this year. Try to get the values where you can, right? You have all 12 picks. No one's no one's to say that you won't move them during this year, right? There, if if I got Elijah Moore in that league and I'm panicking, <laughs> you're like, all right, I'll give you the latest 23 first I can reasonably project. Like so-and-so's team is a juggernaut in this one. I have their pick. I'll give you a late first for Elijah Moore and something. Right, you can yeah, buy two well, pieces with that. If it's right? best ball, like that's a best ball league, and if there's a plus, now we're talking totally different consideration, right? 100%. Right, exactly. Well, something along those lines. Like you can still push them in this year and get your values, but when you get to it next year, I think some people still like they want to press, and even in the rookie draft or how they do the deals, always thinks that hey, I need to take, I need to get two quarterbacks out of this class. Well, no, you don't, man. Adam, if you only get one quarterback out of all those draft picks that you have next year, that's not the worst thing. Mm-mm. Because maybe maybe you semi-punt 2023 as well. And maybe you just push it back until like, hey, I, I couldn't find a good quarterback deal. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to go overpay. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go pay a first for Jared Goff. <laughs> I don't need to do it. Nobody wants to sell. The league dynamics in here are fine. I'm just going to kind of slow play this thing, and maybe I don't win next year. But I, I tell you what. If you fuck around and let me get the 101 in 2024 again, you know, maybe Caleb Williams is going to look really goddamn good on my team, right? Sure. And I'll be fine. You know, I got uh, I got Bryce Young this year. Now maybe I get Caleb Williams next year. And plus, I got Bijan with my other pick. And I got, you know, some of these other assets. And I acquired a, a young, I acquired Trey Lance, you know, coming off his injury. I got sure. him dirt cheap. You can build this treasure trove of just insane value. And then you can push and pull when you need to when it's actually your time to compete, right? Everybody right. always asks, should, should I go for it this year? Should I not? It's kind of a feel thing. It really is. There becomes points when I'm rebuilding and I'm collecting assets and I'm hoarding stuff and I'm making these moves at them. There becomes points where it's just plainly obvious, this is the time I have to push it, right? If I'm looking at a start nine league, we had this discussion about one of my teams earlier. It's a start nine league. And you're looking at my bench and you're going, holy hell, man. You're loaded at like every bench spot and all your starters, they're good. They're not great. I mean, some of them are, but they're good. They're not great. Your bench is deep as hell. You know, this is only a start nine. You got to start consolidated assets, man. Yeah, you got to start taking here. them draft yeah. picks and, and tying them to the Brandon Ayuks of the world and go and see if you can get a T Higgins or go right. and see if you can get a Devonte Adams or, or whatever it may be. You just kind of know, like you get that feel where you're like, I am so damn overloaded. Like I have to go in. <laughs> All these guys are going to start depreciating in value, going to start to get injured and underperforming. I got to go. I got to go now. I just have too many draft picks. It just comes naturally to you. But that's a great place to be in a rebuild where you're not ever forcing it. And I think that's what I like about it. And obviously what you like about it, because you do it so well where you're just comfortable. like. If it ain't my year this year, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. We'll push it down because everybody that that shit league is a, a perfect example. 
everybody for the last two years has just been going balls out. Man, I got to win it this year. I got to win it this year. Like, I got to make competitive moves because we know Adam's coming in 2023. And if he doesn't win it in 2023, damn sure he's going to be ridiculous in 2024. <laughs> so, yeah. like, we know that league is about to be on lock for a while once your assets really start coming into fruition. Yeah, and I think, Mike, that, that's an interesting point you brought up. And, and um, as far as, like, the dynamics of the league, that, that plays a big thing for me, right? You're Not every league's the same, and all your managers that you play with in your different leagues are not going to be the same. So, for example, Mike, like when we went into that, right, let, let's talk about how that came to fruition because I started by just playing values. This starts in a startup. What were the values? Quarterbacks. People yep. were not appreciating how important Superflex was. So, Mike, well, I'm in the fifth round, and I don't have a single skill player other than quarterback. Right? So, all my picks, and, and at that point, you've leaned into the, the you're full-fledged in the fucking horde. I mean – when you get to round six and you haven't picked a skill player, <laughs> if you don't make moves and you don't get people to buy these quarterbacks, you ain't winning any games. But you got to be able to be strong enough to say, I don't care, right? Now, what's funny is I didn't plan to go nuclear, but it just happened to be that way when, see, everybody was fading quarterbacks because they're also thinking about all the skill players they want. And a lot of people in that league were wanting to go contend. So it, op- it opened the opportunity for one, people need quarterbacks when they want to contend. So I was able to move them. And then once everyone's kind of... It was weird. Everybody wanted to push towards contending. So I was able to grab all the fucking picks, right? And it's like, think about it, man. You may not have that in a different league, right? It may not be where everybody wants to contend in in another league. You may be in a league with a bunch of people that are like crazy, crazy Dynasty Debbie type degenerates. And it's the opposite. You may be saying, holy hell. (laughs) I mean, nobody wants Mike Evans. Nobody wants these guys that are over 25. Like, everybody wants picks. And you, you can exploit the values. You have to understand what the managers are doing. And ultimately, you're trying to basically, you know, when everyone's zigging, you want to zag. You're trying to find the value jumps. And I think, Mike, one thing I wanted to get to here before we you know continue to talk about how you're going to manipulate and move the picks for value is I see this a lot. And I think everybody – it's kind of funny. Like, we, we think, all right, I'm going to leave with a bunch of sharps. And – Man, I, I got to figure out what I'm going to do now because everybody's not going to. I just I have to figure out what I'm going to do now. And, and there's this panic, right? This thought of like, I got to have it now and I want to fix this now as opposed to letting it play out. And, and I see this a lot with people that are pretty tapped in where it's like, for example, let, let's talk about this class, right? So if you were buying into, all right, I want to get some of these guys. I don't want to just have picks. I want to get some of these 22 guys because like they're going to be, you know, key pieces, key cogs in my my lineup. Now, the players I'm going to mention here, I'm not telling you they're dead, and I'm not telling you that you, they don't still have a place in Dynasty and on Contenders at some point. But if you paid the rookie euphoria peak price for some of these guys, Mike, one, you have an asset that's not stable, it's not injury protected, and right now at the moment you fucked yourself if you did that. And so let's just talk about a few of those, right? Sky Moore. Mike, I was told Sky Moore is in the fucking best position. He's the best pl- He's the best receiver. They drafted him highly. He is going to be, you know, the next Tyree Kill or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you made that bet? Like, I saw people, Mike. I saw people 
People told me it would never happen. No one's going to buy a 22. But once the players are there, and now it's a player, not a pick, people went crazy about Sky Moore. Mike, Sky Moore is playing special teams right now. Now, I'm not telling you that Sky Moore won't be good down the road. I'm just telling you that if you bought <laughs> Sky Moore at the peak, you yeah. are hating it right now. Mike, there, this, I, he, go ahead. he scored you some negative points here. <laughs> right. Man's only playing special teams still scored me negative points. Thanks. Uh, how? Thanks, Sky. Um, the sky <laughs> is the limit. Um the Apparently ceiling not. is the roof. The ceiling <laughs> no, is the, the ceiling is the roof. So we got. Uh, let's talk about a couple other ones, right? Rashad White. Looks. I was just asked in AMA yesterday: Is Rashad White dead? <laughs> yes, we were. Is he dead? No, it, no, he's not. It's dead, three weeks in. He he needed on. to work on pass pro. He's not dead, but it's like if you bought into Rashad White because you need to run it back, you're not you're not loving life right now. Uh, even like James Cook right now, right? I mean, yeah. like. Like, let's talk about it. I'm not saying that James Cook is dead. Like, if you're listening to this, ATM yep. told me James Cook's dead. We're, no, I didn't say that. I'm just telling you that if you bought into James Cook's hype narrative, right now you don't like life. So the point is, actually, Mike, a lot of times when, even if you can't trade the pick before the draft happens, like even if you end up forced to select the player, understand that you don't have to take all the risk on guys in that range now granted Mike there, there was guys in that range that could have hit so I'm not telling you it doesn't ever work out you might have hit George Pickens and you might have got just the value bump and moved him right away like there are scenarios yeah. where you can play it correctly the point is though if you do too much of this you're going to end up buying players too high because of rookie euphoria and narrative season and you're going to end up regretting it so Actually, a lot of times, Mike, what I'm going to want to do when we talk about how we move these picks and what you do to make it a contender when you're ready, ultimately when you're ready, I think for me, Mike, the key thing is you're going to know. You know how there's there's some things in life that you can't really put a true X plus Y equals Z. Like there's some things that are feel. You're going to look at your roster and be like, damn, like this thing, like if I tried to rebuild with this, it's just egregious. Like <laughs> it's time to push the needle in, Right. Now, when you get to that point, the key thing, like you said too, Mike, don't force it. If you're going ahead of that schedule, you're going to know that you're forcing it. Please, I promise you, don't do that. It's not going to work out likely. But here, here's what I think I want to get to, Mike, is this. When you're on the clock or before that, when you're thinking about I'm ready, you know, the, the fantasy football season's over, we're into, you know, combine hype and draft. Mike, there are going to be windows. Damian Pierce. Uh, gosh, man, Rashad White, littered all throughout here, where you got windows to trade those players for the crusty guys before their values come up. Aaron Jones, all these guys. Like you, this is the other thing. When you do a full rebuild, a dumpster rebuild, and you're ready to contend, you don't have to go in. Like I, you don't have to go in with this sexy lineup of like I have everybody I have on my team is 25 and under. That's not how you have to do it. And a lot of times, if you try to do that. You're trying to basically win for five years out. You don't want to do that. A lot of times you want to have a few of the crusty guys and contenders. So it's a lot about playing the timing and understanding that the pick is not just a pick. It's a value. It's a ticket to the dance. And you don't have to ever press the button. You can trade it at any time. It's not. It is injury protected. Other assets are not. They're definitely... Definitely feelers and triggers too uh, on like what to buy into and what not to buy into. And 
Great point. There are guys like Damian Pierce. Uh, I, I think Cody Carpenter uses a fugaz, right? <laughs> like a, a facade. That was never really something that I wanted to buy. Like we ranked him appropriately in our rookie ranks, but I wasn't drafted him thinking like, man, I'm going to get this this guy at running back for the next two, three years. He's going to be the next Nick Chubb. He's going to be the next, you know, insert ceiling comp that I just pray that it happens, right? I knew what the draft capital was. I knew what the prospect profile was. And knew there was a possibility he's pretty good at football. And maybe he pops this year. But the minute he pops, like, that's what I was aiming for. Like, if I had Damian Pierce on my team, like, great. If I have him on my team, he's either on my team for one of two reasons right now, Adam. It's either I wasn't able to sell him at peak, or I'm a contender. I didn't spend much for him. So if I ride him out this year and he does whatever he does for me, great. I don't, and he's nothing next year. I don't care. I don't care. Like I got what I wanted out of Damian Pierce, period. It's like the Elijah Mitchell last year. Same kind of thing where it was, I spent nothing on him. I liked the talent, but I was never with a prospect profile, with, with all the information that we knew. I was never expecting him to be a cornerstone of my team for the next four or five years. Like, that's a pipe dream, right? Could it happen? Could it be the next Arian Foster? Absolutely. Who who the hell am I to say that it couldn't happen? That's just not something I'm willing to put a bet on. Conversely, when I look at a guy like Brees Hall, like Adam, when I took Brees Hall or I made a move for the 101 or whatever the case may be, like I will put Brees Hall on the block and I have a price that I want to get. And I'm hoping, you know, if Brees Hall pops, maybe somebody will overpay for him if I'm on a rebuild or a team that's a couple years out. Great. Like that, awesome. But if they don't, like, I like the talent. I'm betting on Brees Hall not just for this year, but I'm betting on Brees Hall for next year and the year after that. Right? I, I, every prospect, no matter what they are coming in, every player, I think I, I kind of do just this risk assessment in my head. Right? Like, what's their... What's their realistic ceiling? What's the potential that they bust? How much am I willing to invest? It, it is just so much like buying stocks, right? When, when I buy meme stocks, when I buy AMC and the GameStop and the Shiba coin, I know I'm getting into a risky proposition, right? And, and we've seen it. You know, If you bought in at the top, you paid the, the first for Damian Pierce, treat it like Shiba. You paid the, you paid the, the high dollar price for Shiba, right? You're sh- you're shitting your pants right now because you've been in the red forever. <laughs> it's it's never gonna pay off for you. More than likely, you're just praying you can get some of the money back, right? Or maybe you get lucky and you just break even. And you can cash out, but you're not anticipating something for a long term play, right? So much like the the Mojo stocks on players like Ray and Jay are doing. Brees Hall, some of these other prospects are the ones that I'm, you know, I'm buying Amazon stock, right? Could could the company tank? Absolutely. Happens all the time, right? Could. But I have a risk tolerance where I'm like, I don't think this is going to happen. And I'm going to, I'm going to venture to guess Amazon keeps getting bigger and bigger, keeps making more and more and more products. And, you know, maybe buy some more broadcasting rights to more football, which shout out to Amazon Prime, like the, the, the Thursday night games have been phenomenal, right? The multiple broadcasts that you can watch, the one where you get the, uh, what is it, Play Vision, 
I have something like that. It, it's it's awesome to watch that. It is, it is <laughs> dope. It I is get dope. sidetracked, but that's what I'm investing in. But I have this inherent risk tolerance, and it's the same way on a rebuild when I'm talking values, or you can go buy values. You know, a, a train lance. We talked about it last episode. I think at you know June, July, August next year, whenever Trey Lance gets gets uh, gets cleared and announced, you know he's healthy, he's still the starting quarterback. Blah blah blah. If I'm only paying a second or a couple seconds for him or a late first, I'm I'm reasonably expecting that that bet's going to pay off, right? Could could he have a setback? Could it be an you know an Alex Smith situation? Hey, it's worse than we thought. You know he's got to have multiple surgeries. Maybe gets infected. You know all the bad things that could happen. Absolutely. But I can't put a number on it. But I'm doing like the risk calculation. How likely is it to happen? Okay. Well, I know there's some risk, but I don't think it's that likely. I'm willing to pay this if this is the cost. So I think that's something like the song and dance that you have to do as a rebuilder throughout the year in your rookie drafts, in your trades that you make is just this risk assessment. Like, do I want to pay this first round pick right now for a vet who I don't think has a realistic shot of being worth this come next July? And if the answer is, I don't think he's going to be worth this come next July, then don't do the move. But if the answer is, you know, I'm going to pay a, 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 Dak Prescott from a couple years ago when he tore his uh or when he uh broke his ankle. If I had to pay a late first for Dak Prescott, that move's paid off for you tenfold if that's all you paid. Whether you still have Dak Prescott on your team or not, because at some point Dak Prescott was worth two first plus <laughs> easily. Still valued as a top eight quarterback onward. So sure. that's just the point I wanted to drive home about risk assessment, value in your liquidity. And and not getting over your skis and and pushing it into risky portfolio investments that aren't likely to pay off. If you stay on the plus side, sure, some of some of them are going to be misses and ducks. We all have them. There's all those players out there where you told me uh, uh, last year when we're doing startup drafts, right? You know how much Lavisca Chenault I had, <laughs> and the only good thing I've had out of Lavisca Chenault was last week. When he, t- he took 66 a yards to the crib, <laughs> that's Baker it. Mayfield I, touchdown. That's the only thing I've had to go. So that's been an investment that I made, but I don't think I was out there playing like first plus for LaVisca Chanel Adam. No, like I'm paying like Never. second round picks that at most. Right. If I miss, I miss. Oh, well, could have done better. Could that second round pick have been X player? Could it have been this a hundred percent? But as long as I'm not missing all the time, and I'm not putting all my chips on the guys like the Viscish and Alter. I'm not putting all my guys on the uh, all my chips onto players like Elijah Mitchell or Damian Pierce, who's up and then down and then up again. I guess I guess now it's Damian Pierce season again, even though it was delayed for a couple weeks. Like, as long as I'm not doing that habitually, if I just have one or two here or there, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. There's no need to stress over every single deal, but just kind of keep the future in mind. Well, okay. So, so you know, it, it's funny because I feel like when the, the question's asked or when people ask this, they're, they're really wanting me to tell them like, all right, what's the plan, right? What's the plan? And I think sometimes, man, it, when you play this game, right, you're playing Dynasty, you want to have 
And, and the reason you're rebuilding, Mike, right? This, I think, as we talked about last episode, the reason you're rebuilding is not to lose. It's to win. It's just your window is not right now. You're still wanting to win. You're just pushing out your window of when that's going to happen. And, and everybody wants to have a plan, right? And, and I think it's important to have a plan, but you have to understand that the rebuild game, part of the fun of it is it's a roller coaster, man. And you get to ride. See, here's the thing. You get, you're buckled in. You're strapped in the roller coaster, right? Some of these contenders, they're not strapped in. If the ride goes well, they're fine. But guess what, Mike? Here, let me tell you why you can't always plan for my windows three years out. And it can be expedited without even your own doing. Let's go back and talk about if you bought high right now on some of these rookie receivers that you're really excited about. Let's even go higher than uh, Garrett Wilson because right now a lot of people are going to tell you Drake London's the wide receiver one, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's say you're going to buy uh, Drake London. You're like, you know what? This team is good squatted. Like, I'm just going to get Drake London, lock him up for two firsts. He's youthful. He's going to help me win now. I'm good. All right. Let's even say Gar- – uh, not Garrett Wilson. Let- let's even say Drake London has nothing wrong happen to him. Dynasty Genesis, try to rock with me here and-, and stick with this point because this is so key. All right, so you you go out and you send as a as a contender, right? Someone sends two firsts to you for your Drake London, and if you're rebuilding, I, be, I bet you there's people that say I'm not trading Drake London. Okay, here's what you're gonna miss. So, Mike, check this out. I'm sending away my Drake London. Right, we're on the roller coaster together. I'm strapped in. The other guy's not. So, <laughs> all right, Drake London hits. Let, let's say Drake London is everything and maybe even a little more than what we thought. Okay. But guess what? That contender. So I just traded away, right? Let, let's say I traded away Drake London for what's looking like a late 23 and a late 24 first. Okay. So I get those pieces. I'm thinking I'm getting too late first where I'm probably going to use a receiver in the 23 and the 24 class. Mike, this contender, this so said contender, what if their quarterbacks are Dak Prescott, Trey Lance, and Deshaun Watson? Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's a goon squad. Like week one, you're saying that is a goon squad. He's it's Watson's a, a back. When, when Watson yep. comes back, he's going to be studded. Dak Prescott's a top 10 guy. I mean, Trey Lance, this upside, and even if Trey Lance doesn't hit, Watson will be back there by the second half of the year. Like Tr- yeah. Trey Lance will get him through. Okay. We're at week three. We're at week he, three. He he's probably 0 and 3 or 1 and 2, and he's probably begging. With no picks now, how he's going to go get quarterbacks? So what's he going to have to do? He has to deteriorate all of his stars or his depth, and he's in a position. All of a sudden, you've traded. See, this, this is why the rebuild, I think this point needs to be made, Mike, because when you constantly take more assets and more shots, you're typically buying on the worst-case scenario, and baked in is all the best-case scenario. So in that scenario – Mike, even if somehow he fixes it and does a miraculous job and wins the league, you still get the late first that you paid for. But if, if all that other yeah. things happen, what if what if you're looking at Bryce Young, B. John Robinson, you know, s- some other top six pick, and that 24 pick now, like, you might have been able to move because people are like, oh, man, his team's falling apart. Like, there's so many different plays that can happen. Don't go into it at week three in the 22 season and say, I know what I'm going to, I know what I'm going to look like at the end of 24. There's so many things that can take place. The last part of that question is like what we do with our Trevor treasure trove of assets leading up to the draft. I think it's just the, the simple answer is picks increase in value. The closer you get to the NFL draft, 
And then once you actually select a player, there are certain cases and certain moments where like some of those guys shoot up in value as we get like rookie minicamp reports and, and you know we kind of get over the summer. But generally, I would say like right before your rookie draft is probably the absolute peak value. So generally for me, when I have a treasure trove of picks, Adam, I'm looking to move them sometime between the combine and the NFL draft. Like if I, if I really want to start wheeling and dealing as like the, the hype and the narratives really start going in and mm-hmm. we get all the podcasts about this guy ran this and this is his RAS score and this guy did this at the combine and here's his analytical profile and this is all we're talking about, that's generally where I'm trying to move them. So it's a quick answer to it, but back to your point about the draft picks and kind of, you know, taking taking the multiple the multiple picks for Drake London. Another thing you can do, and this is why I absolutely love it, and and some people seem to lose it. You know, we got a question in our Discord earlier about, hey, what should I do with this team? You know, most of the draft picks are already spoken for. This is also another reason we tell you to get there early, <laughs> like make your decision earlier so you don't get in this, but you still have outs, Adam. If the draft picks are all spoken for, most people who are hoarding them aren't, aren't likely to move them, right? We're telling you to be fluid and be available, and if you're in that position and you're hoarding a lot of draft picks, be fluid, right? See where the values are. Maybe move some of them. Maybe, maybe explore it, but... Let's say that they're already spoken for. There's already an Adam in your league who's got all 12, 23 person. You probably don't want to do business with Adam. (laughs) Let me just say that. Adam's in the value gain business. He's not in the value loss business. He he may be correct, but don't listen to him. You want to do business with Adam. (laughs) Okay. But I'm just kidding. Say there's a a guy in there like that, though. I mean, or maybe a couple of them. It's split over a couple of people who are rebuilding who control most of the class. Right. You can go in other directions where it doesn't always have to be draft picks. And this is why I love tearing down. Right. Um, This is why when we we do the trade show or, or, you know, people ask us trade questions, how we evaluate it. This is why I put it in startup terms, because it's easier for me to understand and break it down. Where if I have a quarterback who's a round one value and I'm going to get a third round player, a fifth round player and a seventh round player back who are all on the younger side, who are going to fit my rebuild, who I think have a chance to still ascend in value at various degrees, those are the kind of moves I'm going to make in lieu of being able to get draft picks, right? So right, sure. if, if I think about like the Joe Burrow, I got Joe Burrow, I'm ready to rebuild this team. Somebody wants to pay. I mean, maybe, maybe Joe Burrow is not the best because his value is kind of depressed right now, but say it was prime Joe Burrow. Let's say it's before week one, sure. Yeah, or Lamar Jackson. Let's lose Lamar because Lamar is really hot right now. I mean, Lamar is, hit. Lamar is getting close to old peak price. I mean... Yeah, if I got if I got Lamar, and I'm ready to rebuild, uh, it's just not going to happen for me. No matter w- what kind of Superman heroics Lamar pulls, the rest of this team. You know is what, just Mike? I, I I got a guy that I'm trying to trade with Lamar. So go ahead and put it out there. Not my version, your version. You're in a rebuild. What what's Lamar cost right now? What are you trying to do? I'm going to look and see if maybe I can get into some assets. Like uh, maybe maybe there's a contender out there who has Kenny Pickett, right? And that's the first guy. I, I know I can't get draft picks. So I'm going to go to the guy who's got Kenny Pickett. 
And I'm going to see if I can buy Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett's what? Not starting, given zeros. Not worth not worth as much to this contender as like Lamar Jackson's going to be worth to him. They're so polar I'm gonna go opposites Kenny on the contending, right? I'm going to go Kenny Pickett. And, you know, maybe I like what I've seen from Jahan Dotson so far this year. I mean, who hasn't other than last week? Sure. Maybe I'm going to go see, like, let me get Kenny Pickett, let me get Jahan Dotson. And then because I, I just have a feeling this still isn't the price that you need to pay for Lamar. Not at all. And draft picks aren't there. I'm going to go find another one. And it may not be a rookie, a right. 22 rookie. It may be a guy from 21. Or it may be I got to go out to 2025 and get their first and second. Or or maybe I'm looking at a guy who's like an injured player. Maybe DeAndre Trey Lance. Swift. Trey Lance. I'm going to kind of explore and see what's on their roster that I think will ascend in value at some point from where they are now. Like DeAndre Swift's a good one. If if you told me earlier in the season, right, Lamar for Swift and Kenny Pickett and Jahan Dotson, you'd be like, man, I'll take – if I don't need a quarterback right now or I'm good at quarterback, I'll take the Swift, the fucking Dotson, the Kenny Pickett side all day of the week. Right. Now Swift to this contender is – possibly not playing for the next two, three, four weeks. So for them, maybe they're looking to increase their production at quarterback and they're going to sell you Swift at a discount. Now, Swift isn't the ideal candidate for me as a rebuild. Like not, I don't really don't want DeAndre Swift, healthy DeAndre Swift on my team, scoring me points and fucking up whatever draft position I may have if I have my draft pick. But at some point when he comes back on the field, I know his value is going to rebound. His value is going to come back up because now DeAndre Swift's back healthy. DeAndre Swift's back doing DeAndre Swift things. And maybe I move him to another mm. contender. Well, well, Mike, it, it's funny you talk DeAndre Swift because um, I, I'll give you one. Literally today I just did this, right? And this is in the 2018 uh, two-copy league, the Heisman Royal Rumble, right? So I never thought this early that I would be even considering buying DeAndre Swift on a rebuild in that, in that team, right? Like never. Did never thought it would could, could come to fruition, but so Mike, I I took a deal today. Um, so I ended up trading away Tyler Lockett and Chase Edmonds and got back AJ Dillon. Now it's one of those where like I don't really like in best ball to consolidate, but yeah, I'm so not Chase Edmonds, man. I'm sorry. So like to me, <laughs> sorry, I, it, did, sorry. It, it felt like a decent up tier even on a rebuild. And, it, and, and that's where I I want to make sure like I say some stuff like that that's actionable. So it's like, like to me, that's the type of thing where if I'm going to up tier in rebuilds, one, it's not going to be that often. And two, that's the type of thing I'm looking to do, right? And then, Mike, I ended up flipping then um, A.J. Dillon and Hollywood Brown for DeAndre Swift and Trey McBride. So the net really is Tyler Lockett, Chase Edmonds, and Hollywood Brown, and I get back DeAndre Swift and Trey McBride. So Trey McBride still right now is a, a upside tight end that's probably not going to be doing much the way Zach Ertz is playing right now. He's still scoring me nothing. I get Hollywood Brown off my team. I get Tyler Lockett off my team. And now I have DeAndre Swift scoring zeros. And here's the here's the beauty, I think, of Swift and why in the scenario like this I'm doing that is because is it going to pan out? I can't tell you that. I don't know. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people that hate DeAndre Swift, and the market may dry up. It may not be what it once was. But I hold him while he's scoring zeros. When he comes back, if he starts to fuck things up and he's really going ham, 
there's at least a market higher than what I paid for him. I can move him. And if yeah. he's and if not, <laughs> I'm I'm okay holding him because I still think he's the type of running back that lasts longer than the average one. So, like, Mike, I mean, I, I, seriously, if you told me before the season started that I could get even in best ball deep lineup, whatever the hell it is, I can get DeAndre Swift for Chase Edmonds, Lockett, and Hollywood Brown, I'd be laughing. <laughs> Never gonna happen. And, and, I, and this is not to like you know, this is not to brag to you. I'm just telling you that like there's some you never know what's going to happen with player values and who's going to get hurt and who's not and where the where the market's going to go. So part of it's staying flexible and allowing yourself to be flexible and not be so sold, like you said at the beginning, on specific players and stuck and attached to those names and be willing to just let the market shift and you make moves accordingly. Now, we're both in that league together. But we're in vastly different situations, right? Correct, this is where yes. we talk about the rebuilders and the contenders. Could I make that move? Yes. But it's probably not the most optimal. It's the most smart move for me to make to get zeros in a best ball league from a guy like DeAndre Swift. Like I have right. to pray that I do well and I have some like surprise performances and I can just kind of keep pace until he's back and then I'm banking on him being old DeAndre Swift and, and performing – Exactly like you said. You, on the other hand, it doesn't matter to you, right? Right. What you're looking at is for value bump, value gain, asset multiplication, that kind of thing going forward. And you don't ride any of the risk right now. It, it just doesn't affect you. Now, it's also one of those bets where you make, you believe in DeAndre Swift. I believe in DeAndre Swift. We believe he's going to get back to being DeAndre Swift, right? Right, right. You're making a calculated bet. And you have this risk tolerance in your head and it fit the price you had to pay to do it. And, and you're believing that you're going to cash out at some point. Right. Now, whether you end up moving DeAndre Swift or not this year, it remains to be seen. Correct. Okay. He can come back and smash and just the way the league dynamics in and, you know, as stingy as some people are with their, with their draft capital or with their players, that kind of thing. Maybe you don't get to move them, but you head into next year with a premium asset that you never thought that you were going to be able to to acquire, and you did it the year before, right? Correct. You did it at a discount. You mm -hmm. didn't pay, you didn't pay RB two price, <laughs> RB two overall price for DeAndre Swift, right? And, and that's a win. That's right. a win in the future. Correct. And, and and this would be sunk cost fallacy if you looked at it this way. But like, Mike, if you went back and looked, right? at the auction prices. Um, I don't know where the it initially came from the OG or the, the new side, but whatever yeah. Deandre Swift cost in dollars versus Lockett, Chase Edmonds and, um, gosh, I just forgot the last piece, uh, Lockett, Chase Edmonds and uh, Hollywood Brown. I can tell you it's by far and away more in dollar sign. Now, the reality is this, that this is a sunk cost fallacy that you have to also keep in mind too in the rebuild and the contending side. Like all of a sudden that, that cost, whatever someone paid for DeAndre Swift at the auction is totally forgotten. Nobody gives a fuck anymore because the current market resets everything, right? So when you're a rebuilder, you get to take advantage of those things. Where on the contending side, like you said, where you're at, hell man, if you could, if you could afford to and you tell me that you get DeAndre Swift when he's healthy, you do it, but you don't know that you can afford to do that. So as a contender, you're not going to take that risk. 
The last point I'll make before we bounce out of here, and it's a short one and it's a sweet one, and it's so simplistic in its in its core, its idea. Whether it's in rebuilding, whether it's in trading Adam, you take profit where you can get it. It doesn't have to be home runs all the time, but as long as you're taking a profit for the most part and minimizing your big swings and misses and your losses, that's not saying playing scared, you know, the, the YG song, scared money, don't make money, right? But, but just don't be willy nilly on it. Right. I, I know example, everybody, everybody out there, you know how much you make in a year at your job or whatever you do for income. You, you don't live outside your means, right? Like I, I'm a maintenance tech. I don't drive a Ferrari. Right? I can't afford a Ferrari. I can't right. afford insurance. Would it be nice? Absolutely. But I don't need to take that big swing because the downside will be absolutely detrimental to me. As long as I'm taking profit where I can get it and I keep moving forward and I minimize the amount of risk I can, it doesn't matter if I make 100 trades. If I win 60, 65% of them and I don't lose that much, it's fine. It's the same thing in rebuilding when you're multiplying your assets, looking towards the future. Take the profit where you can. Take the profit where you can. Keep moving forward. And like we've talked about here, don't go and pay all the time. Like Occasionally, if you want to take a swing on a Garrett Wilson or Drake London, go for it. Go for it. But... Don't make it a habit. <laughs> Don't well, make it a habit of living outside your means. You know what your budget should be. Stay with it. Well, that's that's a perfect example, too. Uh, re- really good way to end it here, Mike, because, see, I, I needed to preface, too, that move I made for Andre Swift, it needs to still be an exception on the rebuild because what did I do? I still consolidated, right? And the yes. reason I did it was because I felt like the values were so drastic it's one of those, Mike, like, it's, Ferrari's probably a bad example, but same principle, right? You know, you, you make a certain, you make X amount of lot, man, and you got to be careful with how you spend your money, but you have something you really, really want. You may have to wait a year or, or more for it to go on sale, that super sale, and then you say, you know what? Fuck it, man. I've been saving. I can buy this and go get it, right? But if you did that too many times, <laughs> you're going to be fucking out all the money you saved, right? You got to be careful with your up tiers in the consolidating rebuild because yeah, I can afford to do it here and there. But if you do that five, six, seven times, now you have no, no depth and you have no assets. So you you have to be careful of doing those calculated at the right time and ultimately trying to still multiply overall your assets. Well, what you did buddy is you're flipping houses here. That's what you did. And you bought a house that's in a nice neighborhood it's a little bit of a fixer upper. You're going to you're going to pay the price for the fixer upper and then you're going to sit on it. <laughs> you're going to sit on it for a while after it's nice and you're banking that, you know, by week 7 people really want to move into this neighborhood. This Housing market's back, baby. Yeah. You didn't you didn't go out and you didn't buy a, a Clyde Edwards-Helaire at his peak on the rebound, which Clyde Edwards-Helaire is like buying a house on a nuclear waste dump site. <laughs> That's going to have no appeal in about four or five weeks. The only way you're getting that thing sold is if there's no inspections. <laughs> no no inspections. Nobody's got a uh, a thing to measure, measure radiation. <laughs> yeah, radiation, radon, everything's going crazy, you know. <laughs> 
I, I think of the HBO series uh, a Chernobyl. <laughs> you get all the the, the ticks from the yeah, nuclear the waste. ticks <laughs> going crazy. <laughs> that sounds going off in my head every time I see a Clyde Edwards Lair deal where it's like two seconds for Clyde or a first for Clyde. Like, what the hell are we doing here? But that's the thing, man. You just got to play it kind of like a stock market or, or treat it as money. Because in the end, for most people, I would assume most people who listen to this podcast and take it very seriously and listen to us for advice or listen to other smart people for advice, you're playing for some sort of money, not just the bragging rights. But this is a lot of the reason we play Dynasty. Yeah. So it's your money that you're gambling with. Right. <laughs> just keep that in mind. Keep yep. that in mind. I think that's all I got, man. It was a hell of a second part here. Shit, we could probably do like a 10-part series on rebounds if we really yeah. wanted to. It, but we... If you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, man, I want a part three, don't hesitate. Yell, yell at us on Twitter, on in discords, you know, wherever. Yell at us you want a part three. Um, we could go forever on the rebuilds and how to ultimately figure out how you're going to play and parlay all these assets to go ahead and get them finite into your lineup down the road. It'll happen. We, we gave you a lot of the things you can do along the way, but don't fret in week three of the 22 season what your final roster is going to be in 23 or 24, whatever your window ends up being. So keep, keep that in mind. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it. Thank you so much. We're out of here. Same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. Peace. Peace. Thank you.